This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It's a joy to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. I do appreciate those of you that have tuned in to watch at this time. And let me encourage you to stay tuned as we discuss this question Did Christ die in vain? Please stay tuned as we discuss that question today. Now, on getting to know your Bible, we we are making a Bible correspondence, of course, available to each of you, and we want you to know more about the course and how you can receive it. And may I encourage you to stay tuned as we pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to read today from the book of Galatians, chapter 2, and verse 21. For I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. You know, it's sad for anyone to die. It's sad even when a good person dies, a righteous person uh, we're introduced to a man by the name of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Well, we first read of him in Acts chapter 6. And then in chapter 7, he's being stoned to death. And after the death of Stephen in Acts chapter 8, the Bible tells us that, that the Christians carried him to his burial. They made great lamentation over him. You see, even when a Christian dies, it's always a very sad time. Even though it's a home going for the child of God, it is sad because we're going to miss their association and their fellowship. But it's tragic. It's so tragic when a person dies needlessly. For example, here's a family on a Sunday afternoon, and they decide they're all going to get in the car and they're just going to take a little drive out through the country. They're just going to enjoy being together on this Sunday afternoon. They've all worshipped together that morning. They plan to go back to church that night, but they just want some time together as a family. And as they're traveling down the highway, here comes a man who is highly intoxicated. He crosses the center line. He runs head-on into their car. And he kills every member of that family. That not only is sad, it is tragic because it was not necessary for it to happen. It was not necessary for that to happen. 
Here's a family that's in their home. And all of a sudden they hear some, what they think might be someone shooting fireworks. But soon they learn it's not fireworks, it's gunfire. And there are some bullets that come ripping through the walls of their home. And one of those bullets hits one of their children and kills that child instantly. This drive-by shooting was so needless, so tragic, because it need not have happened. Nearly 2,000 years ago, God sent his son into this world. And he sent his son into the world to become the savior of the world. 1 John 4.14 He sent him into the world to die for the sins of the world, according to Hebrews 2 and verse 9. It was predicted that he would die, and that he would die for sin. Isaiah said that he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we're healed. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray, and we've turned every man to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus came to die for the sins of the world. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. He became the sin offering for the sins of mankind. Jesus said, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So Jesus came into the world to die, to die for your sins, to die for my sins, to save us eternally. But you know, if there are certain things that are true, if there are certain things, conditions that exist, then Jesus died in vain. For example, if the law that was given through Moses to the children of Israel is still binding up on us today, then Jesus died in vain. In your Bible, in Colossians, the second chapter, and in verse number 14, this is what Paul said about the death of Jesus and the law. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way. Nailing it, nailing it, to his cross. When Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, Jesus blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that were against us. He blotted out that law given through Moses. And if Jesus, if that law is still binding today, well then Jesus died in vain. 
Someone says, well, what do you think the purpose of the law of Moses was anyway, Brother Lambert? Well, I'd have your attention called to Galatians, the third chapter, verse 19, where the writer asks, Where then, wherefore then serveth the law? In other words, what's the purpose of the law? Here's the reason the law of Moses was given. It was added because of transgressions. That is, it was added because of sin. The law of Moses was given to the children of Israel, to God's people, because of sin. How long was it to last? Till the seed should come, to whom the promise was made. It was ordained by angels in the hands of a mediator. So the law was given because of sin. It was given to restrain the children of God through whom the seed line should come that would bring us up to the Lord Jesus Christ. He said the law was given till the seed should come. Well, what does he mean when he talks about the seed coming? Look in verse number 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and thy seed, which is Christ. There was a seed promise made to Abraham. That promise actually goes back to Genesis, the third chapter, in verse 15, where the Lord said, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, the seed of woman. It was the seed of woman without, without the agency of man through whom Jesus Christ was to come into the world. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, Paul said, And when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And so it was through the seed of the woman that Jesus Christ was to come into the world. That seed promise was repeated to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And in other chapters in the book of Genesis, chapter 22, for example. And the Lord said that in your seed, all nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And in order to preserve that seed line, God gave them the law. The law was given. Why was it given? It was added because of transgression till the seed should come to preserve that seed line. And the seed there is talking about Jesus. The law was to last until Jesus Christ should come on the scene. Now look in Galatians 3 and verse number 23. But at, before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith which should afterward be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Now, keep this in mind. He says, before faith came, we were kept under the law. The law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. The law is the schoolmaster. I think of a schoolmaster kind of like a school bus that would bring the students to the teacher. End of the day, the school bus picked them up, 
take them back home. The law was kind of like the school bus to bring us to Jesus, the master teacher. And so the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Then he says, but after that faith has come, this is in verse number 25, after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Question, what's the schoolmaster? The schoolmaster was the law. Verse 24 says, the law was our schoolmaster. But after faith has come, we're no longer under a schoolmaster. Well, how then do we become children of God today if it's not through the law, the keeping of the law? For you're all the children of God by faith in Christ. The law served its purpose in bringing us to Jesus Christ. And when Jesus died on that cross, he blotted out that law. We're not living under that law today. In Romans 7, in verse 4, Paul said, Wherefore you become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that you should bring forth fruits unto God. So we're dead to the law, not living under that law. If we were living under the law given by Moses, today we, we would be under obligation to offer animal sacrifices. We would be under obligation to do things that would be burdensome to us. But the fact is, Jesus Christ blotted out that law and nailed it to the cross. Now, when he did that, he replaced it with a better law, with his law. Jesus gave a law. He has a law. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, the Bible says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I call your attention to, to now to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 15. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, that they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise it is unstrengthened all while the testator liveth. Someone says, what does all of that mean? In all probability, many of you watching right now have your last will and testament all made out. And there are conditions in that. But your will cannot be enforced or enacted until your death. And the law of Jesus Christ, the last will and testament of Christ, did not go into force until Jesus died on the cross. Listen to it again. A testament is a force after men are dead. Sometimes people say, what about the thief on the cross? What well, was the thief on the cross baptized like you preach on getting to know your Bible? I don't know. He may have been baptized by John the Baptist. I don't know. But we have to understand one basic fundamental element as we rightly divide the Bible. The thief lived and the thief died before the death of Christ. That is, he died on the other side of the cross. He died while the law of Moses was still in effect. He lived under the law, that law. 
and the law of Jesus Christ under which we live today did not go into effect until Jesus Christ died upon the cross of Calvary. And so today, we all the blessings of salvation that we enjoy are not upon the terms that are found in the Old Testament. It's, it's found in the gospel of Christ in the New Testament. That doesn't mean that there's not benefit and profit in studying the Old Testament. Of course there is. Romans 15 and 4 says, Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through comfort and patience of the Scriptures might have hope. And in 2 Timothy 3, 14, Paul told Timothy, Continue thou in the things which you've learned, hast been assured of, knowing that whom you've learned, that, that from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. When we study the Old Testament, it tells us through prophecies of the Old Testament, Jesus is coming into the world, and when we get to the New Testament, well, it says Jesus has come, and Jesus Christ, of course, is coming back again someday for His people. And so, if that Old Testament law is still in effect today, Jesus Christ died in vain. Today we live under a better law. We live under what is referred to in James 1 verse 25 as the perfect law of liberty. Oh, how blessed we are to be living in this age of the world, the Christian age, where we have access to the New Testament, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but then again, if the church is unimportant, folks, Jesus died in vain. It's not uncommon to hear people talk about the church like this. Jesus, yes. The church, no. I don't want to have anything to do with the church. I'm not certain that when people talk like that, that, that they really are thinking seriously about the connection between Jesus Christ and the church. Now, when the Bible talks about the church, it's not talking about a building situated somewhere. But when the Bible talks about the church, it's talking about people. It's talking about a group of people who've been called out of the world and have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Revelation 7, verses 13 and 14. And the church was redeemed by blood. Let me call your attention to Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Take heed unto yourselves and all the flock over the which the Holy Spirit hath made you overseers to feed, that means to tend, the church of God, the church of the Lord, which he hath purchased. But what did he purchase the church with? His own blood. Folks, the church is just as important as Jesus' blood. Because Jesus paid the price for the church with blood. Listen to Ephesians 5 verse 25. And your husbands love your wives, 
even as Christ also loved the church, gave himself for it. A number of years ago, there were several thousand teenagers in a stadium out in Texas, and the speaker got up and, and he said, We've, Jesus, yes, the church, no. He said, we've sort of made an end run around the church. Have you ever thought about that? When, when you try to eliminate the church, or as he stated it, make an end run around the church, you, you make an end run around the head of the church, and that's Jesus. You see, there's a head to the body. There's a head to the church, and that's Jesus. Ephesians 1, 22, 23. Well, you make an end run around the church, you make an end run around the blood of Christ. It was purchased with his blood. As Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20, you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. One so-called scholar said, not even the New Testament church is important. Friends, if the church is not important, then Jesus died in vain. Now understand, the church is not our Savior. But the church is composed of those whom the Savior has saved. I repeat that. The church is not our Savior, but the church is composed of those whom the Savior saved. In your Bible, in Ephesians chapter 5, and in verse number 23, there the Bible says that he is the head of the body, the church, and, and Jesus Christ is the, uh, the Savior of the body. And the body is the church. He's the Savior of the church. The church is simply people who are saved. And so the church is important. It's because that's where we are if we're saved, we're in that institution or that organism called the body of Christ. That's where the saved are to be found. But, but then again, Jesus died in vain. If I lose my soul, now think about it. Jesus died to save me. But what if I were to lose my soul when it's all over? Well, then, for my part, Jesus would have died in vain. You see, some people are going to be lost for sure. Why Jesus said, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads unto destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. A lot of people will be lost. But it is not because Jesus didn't love them enough to die for them. In some cases, there'll be people lost because no one talked to them about Jesus. They hadn't heard about Jesus. So some will be lost because they heard about Jesus. And they just delayed doing anything about it. And some people will be lost. Because they heard the message about Jesus and they did not think it was all that important because they were so busy. 
They were so busy with their business, so busy with their life, so busy with other activities. They just didn't have time to squeeze Jesus in. I'll tell you one thing. You, you may be like that today. You say, I'm so busy, Brother Lambert, and, and, and I just don't think I have time for, to, to, for, for this Christianity thing. I, I just don't think I have time to go to church. I, I just don't have time to, to give my life to Christ. Folks, you're going to have time to die one day. And if you lose your soul in eternity, so far as you're concerned, Jesus died for nothing. Because he died to save you. I believe that I'm talking to some of the best people in all the world right now. I don't believe you'd be watching this telecast unless you're a person that loved the Lord and believed the Bible. And I want to appeal to the best there is within you to give your life to Christ today by believing on Him, by repenting of your sins, by confessing that you believe Jesus is the Son of God, and to be baptized into Christ. That's not because I say so. That's because that's what Jesus died to do. And he wants you to be saved. And Jesus said, He that believeth, that is, believes in him, and he is baptized, shall be saved. If you would confess your faith in Jesus Christ as a penitent believer in Christ, you can have your sins washed away in his blood, and you'll be prepared for the next life. But that's not all there is to it. He came that we might have life, we might have it more abundantly, John 10 and 10, and you'll have the best life now. Let me urge you to give your life to Christ. Oh, Jesus died because he loved us so. So far, some people are concerned he died for nothing. But let's not be that way. Let's make the death of Jesus important in our lives by giving our lives to him. I want to thank you for watching today. Thank you so much for tuning in. And may I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. If you're not certain where the Church of Christ is located in your community, you call us and we'll help you locate it. Please do that. And also request a free Bible correspondence course. Do that today. I want to thank you for watching Getting to Know Your Bible today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you, is my fervent prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com. Or call us anytime at 1 
Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.